Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, I'm your co-host here, Dallas Montague. Today, we have another wonderful guest joining us, Abigail Domoa. Abigail, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's a pleasure to have you with us today to talk with our audience and to talk about your new, your soon to be released book, She is Risen. Yes. Just to share a little bit with our audience here about you, Abigail is a speaker and a personal development co-writer based in the UK, and she is a passionate advocate for prison reform and has dedicated her life to, to spreading the same message of hope that brought her out of her own despair. And so, Abigail, I'm just going to do... We're going to do something a little different than we normally do for our audience. I'm going to let you just have the floor and share a little bit about your story. I think it's really unique. Okay. Um, I, I'm from the UK, from the United Kingdom. I was born and raised uh, here. My parents are of Ghanaian descent in West Africa. And um, about uh, 2006, I made the decision to uh, move to the United States to further my studies, I uh, graduated from university in the United Kingdom and then moved on to um, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, what ended up happening is that I got involved in a road traffic accident, a car accident where my passenger was killed and I was seriously injured. Um, I moved back to the United Kingdom to recover from the accident. And I was later um, arrested on an extradition warrant wow. in the state of Florida. Even though I lived in Atlanta, Georgia at the time, the accident happened in, in, in Florida. So the state of Florida had issued a warrant for my arrest. Um, so I was extradited back to the United States and um, I took my case to trial. But while I was waiting for the extradition, I discovered that I shouldn't have been charged with a crime. Um, I had a simple accident. Um, there, there was no, um, nothing on my part, nothing that I did that um, contributed to the, the, the accident. So legally, I should have been exempt. But due to a number of issues um, surrounding uh, the legalities in terms of um, the judge that I had and um, the media attention that my case has attracted, um, there was this almost... Um, they, they had to, to, to keep that narrative um, of me being a fugitive who had fled the country after killing one of their citizens. Um, so there was not much investigation that took place in terms of what actually happened um, on the day of the accident. It was all just, you know, uh, somebody has died, somebody has lost their life and you, somebody needs to, 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 to pay for that. 
So I, I took my case to trial. Um, unfortunately, I, I, I lost um, and I was found guilty and sentenced to 12 years uh, in a Florida state prison. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Pray to Jesus by Shea Valera is designed to teach you proven truth about how to make miracles happen in your life and the lives of others. While I suggest you read it in its entirety, real help can be found in each individual passage. We do not claim to be God. We do not claim to have any more power than the next person in the world, but our methods work. And if you have studied Christianity for a while and felt like there was more to it, here you go. Enjoy. Find your copy of Pray to Jesus on Amazon today. In times of personal trouble, is there someone you can go to in order to find some answers? How can you deal with the difficult people you encounter? How do you stay calm in a world that is filled with anxiety? Fearless in the Light takes you on an exciting journey, revealing the answers to these questions by meditating on the 27th Psalm. In this powerful passage, King David is dealing with his inner fears with a myriad of external difficulties. Find your copy of Fearless in the Light on Amazon today. You know, it was such a, um, you know, intense situation and I was so in, in, I was in such a place of, of, of despair and hopelessness because I didn't know how this situation was going to, 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 to work out for me. You know, I wasn't raised in a Christian household, um, but one of the things that, that happened during my childhood, uh, well, during my, as I was growing up, is that there were Christian friends placed in my life. So I had several, before I, I had made my way to America, I had several Christian friends. And even though I didn't believe, and, uh, you know, Jesus was not a factor in my life. I had zero interest in becoming a Christian. I mean, in fact, I, I kind of, um, I, I borderline atheist, you know, um, I didn't understand how, you know, people could believe in something that they couldn't see, right? So becoming a Christian was not something that I ever anticipated would happen. You know, I, I thought that I could do life uh, by myself um, until it got to the point where um, my case was, um, my lawyer attempted to get the case dismissed. Um, that was denied. Um, my bond was denied and it was a case of what am I going to do? You know, I, I knew that I was, I was facing a situation that was, was, was bigger than me and the fear and the desperation that, that engulfed me during that time was something that I personally was not able to, uh, I could not hold myself up. I literally felt as if I, I, I was I was suffocating as if I was dying. Um, but in the, in that in in that pain, God met me uh, through a friend of mine. Um, he he wrote me a letter uh, just after the the the, the case was the, uh, uh, you know they they, they refused to uh, dismiss my case and my my bond was denied. I received a letter from one of my my Christian friends. And his, his, his words were, were very touching in that, number one, he was going through something very uh, traumatic himself at the time. 
his father had passed away. Uh, he had been robbed at knife point and he was suffering. But in his suffering, he somehow managed to find the strength to reach out to me and give me hope. Yeah. And his words were, seek God while he can be found. And at that point, it was at that moment that I, I, I surrendered because I was so, I needed to find something that was going to sustain me. And I couldn't sustain myself. Um, my family couldn't sustain me. They weren't saved. So it was a case of, let me try and see if this God works. Because I had, I had heard, heard about him. I had been, you know, for years, people had been, you know, trying to minister to me, whether it was through friends or people that I met out on the streets. You know, I, I had a knowledge of God, but I didn't believe. So on, on, on the, the, the day that I decided that I was going to call out to God, it was a simple prayer. Um, and I, I just said, you know, if you're real, I need you to reveal yourself to me because I'm dying and there's no way that I can, I can carry this burden on my own. And a series of events took place. I mean, it, it was so, uh, you know, I knew, that, I knew that something was happening because I don't believe in coincidences. I never have. I would believe that something, if, if things happen, they happen for a reason. You know, even though I didn't believe in God at the time, but I was moved to a room with a Christian woman um, who then invited me to church and I got saved. So it was in that, those um, um, events that God started to reveal himself to me. And when I went to church, I was, she, the, 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 the lady um, told me to get a Bible and start reading from the book of John. Now, my logical mindset, when I got the Bible and I, I, I looked at the, the, um, the table of contents, I saw that the book of John was in the middle of the book. Mm. So that didn't make any sense to me. So what I did was I started reading from Genesis. Now, when you're in, in, in jail, you're in, you're, you're in there for, uh, you're locked up for, you know, 22, sometimes 23, sometimes 24 hours a, a day. So I read from Genesis to Revelation continuously. I, I, I didn't go to trial for two and a half years. I was, I was stuck in the, 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 the Paul Ryan detention center for two and a half years. And I would say for about six straight months, I just kept on reading the Bible from cover to cover. What did that do to you? What, how, what was going on in your heart when you were just reading the book over and over and over? I didn't realize what was going on in my heart at the time until he started using me. I didn't realize that transformation was taking place until other people started to notice that there was something different about me. I didn't, I, it wasn't a conscious decision that I made that I'm going to serve God. I really started reading the Bible out for two reasons. One out of boredom, and two out of, I desperately wanted to get out of prison. Yeah. Right. So I was seeking something 
looking for some type of, I don't know, supernatural power, something, anything. Mm-hmm. But what, what it was doing was it was, it was, it was sanctifying me. And it, it, what, one significant um, uh, moment I, I remember at that time was um, when I started reading the book of Genesis and it said, you know, he made the heavens and the earths. I went and, and, and looked outside and I asked, did you, did you, did, are you the creator? And the sun shone so brightly that I had to shield my eyes. Hmm. It was almost as if he was saying, yes, I am. That he had responded to me in, 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 in making the sun do what it does. Yeah. It was almost as if he was responding to me and letting me know that, yes, I am real. Another question for you. What was your attitude toward God? You said that in the beginning you were not following God. You weren't a Christian. You were borderline atheist. Were you feeling that this was God punishing you for being arrested and all of these things? What was your attitude toward God? No. I, I, I think one of, the, one of the things that happened very early on, and I've always been this way inclined, um, was that I understood that the decisions you make in life will, will, will ultimately lead you somewhere, whether it's in a good place or whether it is in a bad place. Mm-hmm. No, I, don't, I don't believe, I never did back then, and, and I don't believe that now, that God just punishes us for things that we do wrong. Yeah. It, it, it's consequences. They're the consequences of your actions, right? So in, in, in my situation, um, when I was, you know, when I first got saved and I asked, I wanted to know how did, how did I get here? You know, I had two, two degrees, you know, relatively uh, stable in, in my career and it didn't make any sense as to why I would end up in a Florida state prison, Right. So it was then that he took me back to an incident in my life. And I refer to that as a defining moment in my life when I was eight years old and I was introduced to pornography. And what that did was it, I'm not going to go to the, to, to the, to the psychological um, consequences of introducing children to sexual content, but what it did was it, um, I was, issued, I was initiated into a world of perversion, right? So I began to live a life of promiscuity from a young age. And when I had the car accident, I was in the car with somebody that I was in a sexual relationship with, right? So even though I could pinpoint the, you know, where things went wrong in my life, I still had to take ownership for the fact that I was living a life that was eventually going to lead me into a difficult situation, right? So let's even just break it down in terms of uh, the, the will of God for our lives, right? One of them is to, is to you know, save sex until marriage. When you step outside of that, you give the enemy access to your life. 
right? So now Not just that you give him the keys to keep coming back again and again and again. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. Right. So, no, I wasn't, I wasn't a, a Christian at the time, even though I, I wasn't a believer. We know that the enemy's got a job to do. Right. So he's going to steer you in his direction. But it was the grace of God that ensured that my life was not cut short before I had fulfilled my, my, my purpose on, on, on this earth. So my attitude to, to, to God, even when, even when um, I was found guilty of the crime and I wasn't, I understood in particular that faith is, is your faith has to be tested. Right. And in order for your faith to be tested, and, and, and this is why it's so important for people to actually really read, not just read, but read, study, understand and uh, apply it to your life, because you'll find everything you need. You will find it in that book. And I found it during that time uh, uh, while I was incarcerated, just 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 in sitting, reading the Bible from cover to cover. You know, I learned certain principles. You know, I learned how God works in and through his people. And one of the defining characteristics was that their faith was tested. Mm. Everybody's faith was tested. He gave them a promise and then that promise was challenged. And depending on what they did during that challenging, mm -hmm. that, you know, that, that time of, of, of testing, determine whether that, that, that promise uh, manifested or not, right? So, are you, I, I, am I going to believe what God has said, or am I going to give in to to, to fear? In mm -hmm. Abigail, what was your promise? I okay. So, when my case took about two and a half years before I went to trial, and and you go back to reading the Bible and understanding that. God, the will of God is, is, is for, his will is for his will to be, for his purpose to be manifested in the earth, right? And it happens through us. So if that's the case, it means that he's got a will for each one of our lives, a very specific will. So I needed to know what that was before I made any decisions in terms of, because the way the system works in, in the state of Florida is that they'll make you sit and then they'll offer you a plea deal and you either take it or you don't, right? If you don't, if you take it, you 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 end up whether you know you go to prison for a certain amount of time, it will be cut short, or you have to go to trial. I even though I knew I was innocent, I wanted God to tell me specifically what I should do in this situation. Do I take a plea deal or do I take this case to trial? That's now. Wow, wow. I. And, and it would have been very easy for me to take plea deal and, and I, I, would, I would have ended up going home, right? But I, ha I, I, I had got to a point in my, my walk with him that um, I got to the point where I knew that I was in prison for a purpose, right? I, I, I understood not just in prison for a purpose, but I, that I had built a purpose for my overall life. And that purpose was dependent upon my circumstances. So just because I was, I was incarcerated did not mean that 
I didn't have a purpose, right? So I knew that there was things that I needed to do while I was in there, you know, in terms of, you know, I learned very early on quickly that, you know, your purpose is connected to your gift. I have a writing gift and I was helping people to write their letters, you know, to judges and other types of uh, legal establishments and write to their family members and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, I was doing a lot in terms of actively assisting the inmates in uh, bettering their lives, right? So because I understood that I had, that, I had a specific purpose, I wanted to know what God wanted me to do. And the promise that he gave me, now I'll never forget this, I was, I was in the shower and he said, you know, when we say he said, you know, that an actual voice that you hear, it was a leading that I got in my spirit. Mm-hmm. And he said, I am Jehovah Gabor. Now, I did not know what Gabor meant at the time. This is how I knew that he was speaking. I am Jehovah Gabor. I did not do things in halves. The Lord will fight for you. No, no, he didn't even give me that weight. He said Exodus 14 and 14. Mm-hmm. Right. So I got out of the shower. At the time, our, our um, officer was a, um, a pastor. The first thing I did was go and ask him, what does Jehovah Gabor mean? He said it means the God of war. I went back into my room, into my cell, and I, I took the Bible out and I looked at Exodus 14 and 14. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Yeah, you just need to be silent. Wow. Wow. The, 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 the promise was, I am Jehovah, Jehovah Gabor, the God of war. I will fight for you. I do not do things in hearts. I will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Hmm. Right? So at that moment, I knew that I had to go to trial, that this is not something that he wants. He, he's got to completely overturn this situation. Right? That evening, I always listened to um, a Christian radio station. And that evening, the sermon, the title of the sermon was The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Come on. Right. So I knew at that moment that this is what the direction that God wants me to go in. And I'm not I'm not going to waver from that. And he kept on that, that verse, Exodus 14 and 14. I kept on getting it after that. I was almost like, I was like, OK, God, I get it. You want me to go to trial? OK, you know. So I took the case to trial. I took the case to trial and I lost. But it was in, in, by that time, and this is why I always, I always tell people how this is, is so, it's very important to one, know what he says about your situation specifically. And number two, be disciplined in your prayer life and in meditating on scripture. In that moment, did you feel that you heard wrong? Did you feel that God was still going to do the promise, but not yet? What did you feel? But I, didn't, I, I knew I hadn't heard wrong. Um, it, the, the feeling was, a, you know, at that instant, it was panic, right? I was, I was uh, nervous. I was scared. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen. But then faith kicked in, right? You know, two things happened. When, when, when I was found guilty, I had to go back it down into the cell. Everybody knew my case. I was, I was, I was known, very well known, you know, somebody, a woman that prays and, you know, you know, is, is, is passionate about, about the word of God. So when I came back to the cell and everyone saw that I had been found guilty, it was people's hearts had dropped more than my own heart had dropped. Mm. Right. But I knew that 
number one, I had to be strong for them because, it, you know, faith is not, you know, people just assume that, you know, uh, we can speak faith. No, you have to walk your faith out. Mm-hmm. And that means walking your faith out in a time when it looks as if the promise is not going to come to pass. So how do you act in those, in those instances? Do you change your language and start confessing um, your fears? Or do you continue confessing what God has, has, has promised? And I chose to continue what he had to continue confessing what he has promised. What a decision you had to make because it wasn't just you anymore. People were watching you. You are a representation of Jesus. And you had to decide, I will walk this out. That's a hard decision to make. Wow. Very, very, very difficult decision to make because your, your emotions want to uh, do something else. But again, this is where, where this is, this is, why I, I believe in the power of the word of God because I was not sustaining myself. And it, it is through reading, studying, meditating that the mind is fortified and strengthened enough to be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death without wavering. So I, I, I had to carry the burden. I carried the burden, but carried it knowing. And Joseph, the story of Joseph was one of my favorites. And I studied that book relentlessly. I studied that story re- relentlessly because um, I saw myself in it. And he also received the promise yeah. that one day he'll become somebody great. And all of a sudden he's going through trial after trial after trial, he's in prison, he accused of rape, he ends up in prison. But his mindset during that time was, I'm going to continue serving the law. Because if that was not his mindset, he would never have met the butler and the baker. He would have been stuck in a, uh, you know, self-pity, you know, feeling sorry for himself. And he would not have been able to step outside of himself and seize the needs of, those around him so that's where I was I spent and and um invested a lot of time in 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 people because you're you know even though I I had a a strange you know situation that in childhood it being introduced to pornography and so so forth I came from a very good home so the kind of things that the people went through in, in, in the prison, I knew nothing about. So I was surrounded by a lot of, of, of women that were, were struggling, a lot of women that were in pain, a lot of women that were hurting. You know, so I was able to, to comfort. And I spent my time um, investing in, 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 in others. And that was one of the things that, that really helped me to get through it because I wasn't focused on myself. Every day my prayer was, Lord, who is it here in here today that I can assist? What a missionary mindset, you know, when you're in your own difficult situation, you're able to put that aside, put your flesh away and pick up the Holy Spirit and say, I'm going to go, I'm going to serve God. Wow. Abigail, this is powerful. What happens next after this? After you, your trial was guilty, you went back to prison, 
What happened next after that? So I was sentenced to 12 years Florida State Prison. By that time, I had already served 2.5 years. And um, due to the nature of the crime, I was put in um, uh, Mike Dorm. Mike Dorm is called Murder Dorm. And Murder Dorm is, is the dorm where lifers are. You know, it, it was one of the most violent uh, dorms on the, um, in the prison. And what was the reason for that? If you were only sentenced for 12 years, why were you in, in that dorm? Due to the nature of my crime, because somebody had died, that was where they placed me. Well, that's, as, far, as far as I'm concerned, that's not where they placed me. That's where God placed me. You know, that's, that, that, that was another thing that I, you know, that kept me um, strong was knowing that my times are in his hands. That as long as I choose to serve him, he is going to lead and direct me. So he's going to work through the officers. And wherever he puts me is where I'm is where I'm supposed to be. So he places me in Mike Dorm. Um, and in Mike Dorm, you have uh, it's a two-man cell situation. So I was placed in a cell with um, a lady who had a 40-year sentence and she had served 17 years of that sentence. Now, when you've been in prison for that length of time, you're conditioned, right? So she was difficult, let me just say that. You know, she, she, she actually had a good heart, but she was difficult. And there were times when I just wanted to just lash out, you know, she was argumentative. Um, she, she made my time, she made my time challenging. But every time I wanted to do what I wanted to do, I was led, I, you know, I was led by the spirit to just let it go. And to cut a long story short, I was six, I spent six months there and I was moved to another unit. I was moved to another uh, prison and then they moved me back to the same prison. When they moved me back, things had got so bad in the, in the, in the prison, they were killing the inmates, raping them, um, the, the medical was, was terrible. It, it, it was bad. Now, every year I started off with an action. Well, and at, at this point, I'm tired, right? So I'm like, I've been now I've been incarcerated for about four and a half years. And every year I started off the year with a, 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 a 40 day, a 21 day fast, sorry. And during that fast, my prayer was, Lord, speed up the prophecy. I know you said it, yeah. right? And it was a very bold prayer, but I was quite desperate at that point. So I asked him to speed up the prophecy, but not only asking him to speed up the prophecy, I said, I know that you've put me here because I'm on an assignment and there are certain people that you need me to reach. I want you to bring those people to me quickly. Where are they? Let's go. You know, let's finish this mission. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Wow. And... As soon as I released that prayer, I was moved to the dentist's office to work. Now, I thought my prayer had been answered because now I've got access to more people and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, reaching out to more women. I'm praying for more women. I'm ministering to more women. I'm encouraging more women. I, I thought, okay, well, this is it. We're, 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 on, we're, we're on the journey now. 
you know, I'm soon to go. I knew spiritually, I knew that something was, was changing because again, very important to really, really understand how God works. Things have got so bad, you know, go back to the children of Israel before their deliverance, what happened? They went through hell. Yeah. Right. And then Moses came and got them out of there. So things have got so, and I didn't connect the dots at the time. I was actually studying the book of Exodus right at that time. Things have got so bad in the prison and they'll get worse and they'll get worse and they'll get worse. I'm thinking, how am I going to manage this? But something in me knew that something was about to shift. I just didn't know when. So one day I'm on my way to the dentist's office and I hear somebody calling me. The person that called me was my former roommate, the one that made my life difficult. She had favour with the chaplain. The chaplain was holding a, um, a revival for the youth. And she called me and she, she, she said, I need somebody. I am in charge of this revival and we are organising um, a youth event and I need somebody to preach. Bear in mind, I've never preached a day in my life. I don't know anything about that, right? But I, I agreed. And uh, as you know, I said, mentioned that, you know, I'm a, I'm a writer. So a lot of um, stuff that I, things that I used to do during that time, I used to write. The, every, all the revelation that you could give me, I used to write, I write. Just pages and pages and pages of awful stuff. So I didn't even know that, that, that you know, when you preach, it's called a sermon. I didn't know anything about that. You know, so I went back and I write all the essays. Every time people used to say, what are you doing? I'd say, I'm writing an essay. And I wrote... Um, a, a, a sermon, which I now know is called a sermon, about you know Abraham's journey from his father's house to the you know to the promise, and um, and I, I delivered that message on 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 the day. Now, what happened after that? See, I, I didn't understand the Holy how the Holy Spirit works through you. You know that when you get up to 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 to, to speak. It's not you that's doing the speaking. I didn't, I didn't know all that until it happened. And the place erupted. After that, I couldn't walk from one end of the compound to another without somebody saying, that's that person that preached the other day. I need you to pray for me. Mm-hmm. My mother's sick. My sister's sick. I need you to pray. And it wasn't just the, just the inmates. The inmates and the officers. They were taking me from dorms to dorms, different dorms. Somebody needs prayer. Somebody needs a day. Somebody, I mean, it got to a point where I was actually spiritually, I was tired because I was doing so much work. And within a month, it was just the 1st of April that I stood on that stage. For then three weeks, just about three weeks, I was moved around that compound praying for women, ministering to women, then I was released. Wow. It was, it was a literal, it was a, it, you, you know, you hear these, 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 these preachers talking about suddenly, it was a suddenly. I received a letter from my sister. She said in the letter that your case has been dismissed by the fourth district court of appeals. I don't know when you're going to, they're going to come uh, you know, release you from the prison but you're going home. And I left that prison. My case was dismissed, completely overturned. 
And it wasn't just that my case was overturned. Um, you know, there was some, in terms of the, the judge that I had, the judge was deterred. She was a very corrupt judge and she was determined to um, ensure that I was, I was found guilty and I, that I served that sentence. Um, and, and she said that to me, you know, when, um, during the trial, you know, because I refused to, to, um, to, to take a plea deal. And the problem is with um, appeals is that the case has to go back. The, the fourth district court of appeals will, will agree to dismiss the case, but then it has to go back to the to the the same judge. That judge then makes the decision. She's either going to agree to it or she's going to um, take it back to trial. So okay, well, so she's not going to send you back to prison. She has to take it back to trial. Take it back to trial. Okay. She had been removed. She, she was removed off the bench and a new judge was placed there. Well, obviously, strategically. And they didn't, they didn't attempt to challenge the fourth district decision. And I, I, I was released from prison. And here I am today. Exodus 1414, huh? Wow. That's an amazing testimony, Abigail. After this moment, we have just a few minutes here to tie up the rest of this. What happened next? So you just had this crazy thing happen in your life. You served how many years in prison of your sentence? Five years of the 12 Five years. 12 years. What happens next? Where's your mind at? I got to go to the next mission. I'm going to go continue this preaching. What did you want to do then next? Well, he had given me a blueprint. You know, while I was in the, the prison, he had literally given me a list of everything that I need to do when I get out. And the very first thing was I needed to go and get a, um, an MA in theology and religious studies. So as soon as I got out, that's the very first thing that I did. I went and got my MA in theology and religious studies. I took several courses, speaking courses, and, um, you know, I joined a church. And, you know, I started doing, going to the prisons, you know, to minister to the people, in the, to the women in the prisons, and, you know, and, and to write my book. And tell my story and let, and let people know that, yes, Jesus is in fact alive, you know, and, and, and that is what I'm doing today. I want to go back to one thing in particular that you said here, and this really stuck out to me from all of our conversation here, and I really believe that it's going to touch some of our audience today. You said that just because you are in chains, just because you're incarcerated, doesn't mean you don't have a purpose. Mm-hmm. I, so this is with your life. I, I want to take this to our listeners who are listening today. I believe there's so many people that are in bondage, so many people that are physically in chains by all the things we left in, let into our life, just like you said before. For you, it was the pornography that brought into the perversion in your life and so many other things. This is the reaping and sowing principle. It's so mm-hmm. true what you were saying. And for those people who are listening right now, and you know that you're in bondage, you're experiencing things, and you're, you're held down. For me, it was addiction. I had a life of addiction before I met Jesus. Mm-hmm. You still have a purpose. If you're in the chains today, you need help. Whatever you're going through, you still have a purpose. You still have a will of God in your life, just like Abigail mm-hmm. was saying with her testimony. Abigail, thank you so much for sharing all of those things that you did with us today. I want to end our time with just two more questions here. If you could leave us with one overall statement, what do you think that would be? I think that um, 
it's we need to understand that that, that everybody is going to go through adversity. If there's one thing in life that is certain, adversity is going to, to enter your life. But how you choose to define that adversity will determine whether the purpose of that adversity is fulfilled. Because there is a purpose behind pain. God doesn't allow things in your life without a reason. But it's up to you to find out what that purpose is in that pain and walk it out. Yeah. It will carve the way to your destiny. I didn't, if somebody had, could have told me 10 years ago that I would end up where I am today after going through what I have been through, I wouldn't have believed them. Mm-hmm. But God has a way, Romans 8 and 28, all things work together for the good, for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. Allow him to use your situation to transform not only your life, but to transform the lives of others. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to give our audience your personal website link and where we can find this book when the book is being released, some other social media from you. So my website is www.abigaildemoa it's my first and last name.com and the book will be released on the 25th of February you'll find that book on Amazon and everywhere else where books are sold such as Barnes and Noble and Apple and you can reach me on social media on Facebook and Instagram Abigail Demoa official and Twitter Abigail underscore Demoa Excellent. Abigail, again, thank you so much for your time today. It's such a pleasure to have you. I know our audience are going to be touched by our conversation today. If I can have you end our podcast with a prayer, I would really appreciate it. Yeah. So, Father, we just come to you right now with grateful hearts, with humble hearts, and I'm thank you for the time that you have given me to release my testimony and share my testimony with the world Father, I'm asking that you touch the hearts of everybody that is listening, the men and the women that have experienced adversity, who are experiencing adversity right now, and give them the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding to really um, get to a place in you, God, where they understand that their pain has a purpose. And that this is not the end. That in fact, it is, is, is the beginning of something great. But Father, we just thank you that you are who you are, that your word is true and that your word is alive. And we just seal this prayer, Father, with the blood of Jesus. And we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. With your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.